Let me open us up in prayer before we get started this morning. Father, as we come to you this morning, we thank you for the chance to come together as men and to study your word together. And Father, I pray as we pray every week that you would take all the cares that we have, all the worries about the day, uh, concerns, financial burdens, uh, deadlines, and that we could just put those aside for a few minutes and listen to you and listen to what you have to say to us. I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would uh, be present and that he would speak to each of our hearts, showing us what you want us to hear and what you want us to learn as we continue to talk about trials and how we handle them. Father, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're faithful. And just open our hearts to hear what you have to say. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to look at this passage, and it's a it's a passage that we've looked at before uh, over the years. Uh, most recently, we looked at it when we talked about the lure of lust and how lust has such a powerful impact on our lives. But this morning, we're going to take a different look at this passage than than I've ever looked at it before. Um, these verses, which you know you're at least familiar with some of them, that talks about each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. I have almost always tied these verses to uh, temptation having to do with sexual lust or sexual temptation. Um, And it's not that that's necessarily wrong, but it's taken out of context. One of the things we've we've tried to talk about each week is that you've got to keep James in its context. And the context is trials. It hasn't changed. We're now moving into verses 13 through 18, but the context is is still about trials and it's still about suffering. And so we're going to look at this a little bit differently and I think it'll it'll change your perspective on these verses. It doesn't mean that you can't apply them to sexual lust and sexual sin, but there's really more to this than that. So as we unpack this, I think you'll see what I'm talking about. If, if you guys are in a trial, and again, context, trials, think about trials, and what kind of trials? These are trials that have to do with un- unexpected events that come into your life. Uh, the metaphor is, is uh, you're, you're out sailing. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. The wind's blowing. You're sailing along, and bam, you hit a hidden reef. Something unexpected happens in your life. These are not troubles that come as a result of sin in your life. In other words, that you've done something really bad, you've really screwed up, it's really unexpected things that come your way that you just had no idea they were coming. Uh, I, I shared on, on Sunday in, in the uh, evening service when I preached uh, a little event that happened in my life, and some of you may have heard it, but um, I was driving home after the second hour, and I called my wife and said, I'm on my way home. And she said, well, when you pull in the garage, don't be surprised. You know, that's, that's not a good, you know, nothing good can be, you know, is it a new car? You know, what, what is it? And I said, well, what, what happened? And she goes, well, just don't be surprised. I said, okay, pl- just tell me. And she said, well, the, the door fell off the van. I said, what do you mean the door fell off the van? She goes, we got home, opened up the sliding door in the van, and it just completely fell off the car. And, you know, I... I I didn't say anything, which is probably the best thing I could do. But I drive in, and sure enough, there's the door, and it's now propped up against the car. And my oldest son, who uh, was visiting, was attempting to take it apart. Um, and he was doing a very good job. 
Um, he had all the parts off of it, and he was trying to help. And I said, but we got to put this thing back on as best we can. Otherwise, we can't drive this car anywhere. I can't even get it to the shop. So we spent the afternoon um, putting this thing back on. That's a trial because I was not happy. Um, I, was, I had to go back and preach the third service that night. And it just so happened I was preaching on the same topic of trials and things that come our way. And it's uncanny how God brings illustrations into my life. But that's a trial. That's what we're talking about here. So that's the context. I did not expect it. I did not want it. But I had a choice how I was going to handle it. Uh, I could embrace it or I could get really mad about it. And that's really what we're going to talk about this morning is how are we going to handle the trials. Now, let me ask you this question. If you are in the midst of a trial, door falls off your van, um, get a bad report from the doctor, something negative happens that you totally didn't expect, rains in your parade, ruins your day, and somebody comes up to you and says, what can I be praying for? And, and they know about the trial. What's going to be your answer? What's going to be your answer? In other words, they found out that your door fell off your van. They found out that you got a negative report from the doctor. They found out that you lost your job. They found out X, Y, or Z. And they say, what can I be praying for? What will your answer be? Here's what I think some of our answers would be. If it's a sickness, pray that it would be healed. If I find out I've got cancer, pray for healing. Okay? Um, Pray that it would be taken away. If it's a burden, pray that it would be taken away, that it would just go away. If it's a financial need, pray my financial need would be met. If you've got a lack, pray for an abundance. If somebody's doing something to you, harming you, bad-mouthing you, defaming you, pray that they'd stop doing it. Whatever the trial is, this is typically how we would respond. And basically, that God would stop what is causing the trial. That God would stop what is causing the trial. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but is that really what we need at that point in time? Remember, we, we talked earlier about when you come into a, a trial, that one of the first things you need is wisdom to handle the trial. Because if you rely on what? Your natural inclinations, what's going to happen? You're going, to, you're going to respond in all the wrong ways. You're going to get angry. You're going to get upset, which is what I was tempted to do when I drove into the driveway. The garage door went up, and I see this mess. And, and the biggest issue for me was not that the door had fallen off. It's just that I didn't want to screw around with it. I'm thinking nap. I'm thinking I just want to have my time, and this is a total inconvenience. Then I start thinking about the cost, the hassle, taking it in. And it just starts to steamroll. How are you going to handle the trials that come your way? One of the commentators I looked at in preparing for this morning put it in terms that I, I, I can't improve on, so I'm just going to share what he shared. He says, in these verses, 13 through 18, comes a word from God that requires a radical change in our thinking. The Bible says that the trial itself is not the most seriously life-threatening factor. The truth is, we see the trial as the issue. It's, it's the thing that's the, it's the 800 pound grill in the room. He says, the greatest danger to me is not the wrong being done to me, but the wrong that may be done by me. The real threat is that when wrong is done to me, I may be tempted to fall into sin myself. So if somebody does something against you, 
that's not the issue. The issue is how are you going to respond and are you going to respond in sin? Are you going to get angry? Are you going to even? Are you going to lash out? When the door falls off your van, are you going to get angry? Are you going to get angry at God? Are you going to, you going to cuss? Are you going to blow up? Are you going to have a pity party? It's how we respond that's the issue. And I think that as we look at this more closely this morning, we're going to find out basically we got two choices in every trial that comes our way. What's the guarantee we have as men living in a fallen world? Trials are going to come, right? It'll come in the next 15 minutes. It'll come in the next hour. It'll come sometime today. You will have a trial. How are you going to respond? And you only have one of two choices as a believer. One of two choices. And it's, it's going to be a radically different look at this than we've ever had before. Let's take a look at this a little bit more closely. When do trials... Remember, context is trials. Trials are inevitable. They are going to come. Being a Christian does not absolve you from having to go through trials. So when they come, what's going to keep them from becoming a temptation? Let's look at these verses, starting with verse 12. Verse 12 says, Blessed, or happy is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved or tested and been proven worthy, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. There's a couple of terms here that we need to look at that are pretty critical. In verse 12, James uses this, this phrase, trial. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Okay, We'll take a look at that in a second. Verse 13, he uses the word tempted. He kind of shifts a little bit. And he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. But again, what's the context? The context is a trial, a test, an unexpected event in your life that just catches you unawares. The word trial is from the Greek word parosmos. Okay? It's a noun. It's a thing. It's an event, a trial. The word used for tempted here is parazzo. It's a verb. Okay? It's, it's the action. Okay? And what's critical here is that these, these words come from the same basic root word. And you can see that. They share a common root. But one tends to refer to the outward test, the trial. Okay? The trial that takes place, that noun out there, the door that falls off your car, the, the bad report from the doctor. Um, that's the trial. It's an outward test. It's outside of you that you didn't have any control over. The other one, used in verse 13, refers to an inward temptation. It's your response to it. It's how you're going to respond to whatever happened to the external. Are you going to smile about it, rejoice in it, or are you going to react to it? That's the key as we make this transition from verse 12 to 13. But, you know, the, the contrast here is really not about these words. And that's where you can get really hung up here and, and try to start batting around temptation and test and trial and is God bringing the temptation. And that's why James goes right into the fact, he says, let no one say when he is tempted, when there's something inside you that makes you want to react in a sinful way, don't go blaming that on God. 
Don't point to the trial and say, well, she made me do it. Well, if the door hadn't fallen off my dadgum van, I wouldn't have gotten angry. I wouldn't have cussed if that hadn't happened. Don't blame that on God. Where's it coming from? Well, he tells us pretty clearly here in these verses. It's not about the two words. And again, I'm going to go back to George here because I think he puts it uh, in, in a key way. He says, James is continuing the line of thought about the spiritual dynamics of trials. The temptations he has in mind now are especially those that come in the context of his reader's trials. For example, the temptation to harbor hatred or take revenge toward those who have persecuted them or the temptation to be covetous and jealous in their economic hardship. See, he's talking to people who are persecuted, they're beaten down, they're poor, they're really put down, and their reaction in the midst of that is to get angry, envious, greedy, jealous, and he's going to talk about in the rest of this book all of their reactions. And he's saying, guys, you, you can't let that happen. You can't allow that to come out of you. So he, he's going to give you a couple of choices here that we can react. And, and as men, what we do with these verses is we tend to think of temptation as only sexual because it's one of the biggest ones you and I struggle with. It's sexual sin, sexual temptation. Um, but you know what? We do, we do a lot of damage in that area and we probably look at more stuff than we need to look at and we think thoughts that we don't need to think. But sometimes our real danger is just in envy, greed and anger and lashing out that's just as dangerous as the sexual sins that many of us struggle with and so again I want to just keep this in its context I want to make sure we understand that when a trial comes how I respond to that you know when when the door fell off my van, my wife's van I I didn't want to go have an affair you know that that didn't even cross my mind did I want to take a hammer to the door of that car? Did I want to get angry and upset? And did I, did I have just kind of some frustration? Yeah. But I wasn't tempted to go, you know, oh, I'm going to go watch something, you know, inappropriate on TV for the next hour. That, that's not what I wanted to do. But my reactions were just as sinful in the sense that I didn't respond in a Christ-like way. I didn't respond in the right way. So it's not all about sensual pleasures. James has in mind these temptations towards greed, hatred, and envy, especially when you think about the people he's writing to. Um, you know what passed through my mind? And again, I'll just use that illustration. Door falls off my van. Why can't I have a new van? Why do I have this piece of junk van that's just falling apart? I don't care that it's paid for. Now it's costing me money. And suddenly greed, and that you start seeing other people's vans and other people's cars, and you know you get jealous of what they have. And then I drive up to the church, and you see all the nice cars in the parking lot, and I want to take my key down the side of them. You know, just uh, it's it's that kind of temptation. I hope it wasn't your car. I really did. This is the kind of stuff that comes out when we're going through trials. How come my kid is sick? You know, why are his kids sick? How come they always have everything go right for them? He doesn't even deserve it. You know, I, I told you when I got termites, the first thing that went through my mind was, why can't my neighbor have the termites? He's lost. Let him have termites. It's, it's that kind of stuff we need to watch for. See, the temptations, according to James, are tied to the trial. 
they're tied to the trial. When do you and I struggle with temptation the most? Usually when we're going through a trial. You know, if, I, if I'm ever tempted to look at something inappropriate on the Internet, it's usually when I'm down, when I'm depressed, when I'm under stress, when I'm under pressure, because then you just, you know, I just need a break. When are men prone to want to drink to excess? When they're under stress, when they're down, when they're under a lot of pressure, when they're not getting along with their wife, when things are not going well at work. When are men prone to do take drugs or, or turn to another woman when they're not getting along with their wife? You know, that, that lady at the office shows me a lot of attention. And my dadgum wife doesn't understand me at all. And then suddenly, that forbidden fruit looks pretty good right now. See, it's in the midst of a trial that the temptation comes out. But what comes from God? James asked that question. Or at least he infers it. And if you look at verses 2 through 12, we've already studied these guys. It looks like, according to what I can see, that God does allow you and I get tested, doesn't he? Did God know that the door was going to fall off my van? Well, you know, he's, I think he's omniscient. I think he's pretty smart. I think he probably knew that that hinge was just about to break. Could God have prevented it? Sure. He didn't. He knows the trials are coming. Does he allow them to come? Does he cause them to come? You know, I don't want to get into that debate, but could God have stopped it? Yes. Did God allow it? Yes. The door fell off my wife's van. So he does allow these things to happen, doesn't he? Yes. But according to verses 13 through 15, he never tempts us. He never causes us to sin. And he never tries to make us sin. So the door falling off my wife's van was not a test from God to see if I would sin. He's not sitting up there, yeah, let's just watch what Ken does on this one. I know he's going to just, he's going to lose it. I just, I know him. Just watch what happens when the door falls off. That's not how God works. Was God trying to test my faith? Yes. Verses 2 through 12 tell us that. It is a testing of my faith. But it can become a temptation to sin. But don't blame that on God. James says, don't ever blame that on God. The key word here, guys, is testing. Verse 3 says, knowing that the testing of your faith does what? Produces endurance. That's what the first 1 through 12, those verses are all about. When a test comes, it's going to test my faith. Door falls off my van. Bad report from the doctor. Um, Fight with my wife. Lose my job. Bad news from work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get demoted. I'm not going to get the promotion I wanted. Something happens. It's a test of my faith. And it can produce endurance. And endurance produces what? Maturity, we're told. That's the key word, is testing. Verse 12 says this, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. See, it's about the testing. There is a test. When the trial comes, it is a test. And you've got two choices. You're going to pass or potentially fail. But how are you going to handle the test? That word testing in the Greek means the proving. It's a proving of who you are and what's inside. 
It's just like when you give a kid a test. Uh, I used to think tests were always for evil. I hated tests. Um, I thought tests were just something that teachers did to make your life miserable. But a test is only a revealer of what's inside, what you either know or you don't know. And that's exactly what this is. It's a testing, a proving, that by which something is tried or proved. So a test comes along, and if a test didn't come along, I would never know. See, I want to go through life, and you want to go through life without any trials, don't you? I don't want any bumps in the road. But if I don't have bumps in the road, I will never really know what's in here. If, if nothing negative ever happens in my life, I'll think I'm perfect. It's when the trial comes that I get to really see what I'm like. You know, I can, I can think, man, I've really worked on my patience. I've really worked on my anger. Bam, the door falls off my car. And suddenly I'm just cussing the blue streak. I'm kicking the cat, I'm kicking the dog, I'm yelling at my kids, and suddenly my little world has been upset, and I'm not who I think I am. See, it's a test. It's a testing. To, to say that you stood the test, you, you, you've become accepted and pleasing in God's eyes. You have done the right thing. You've responded in the right way. You have passed the test. Now, guys, we're going to fail on a regular basis, aren't we? Because we're fallen creatures. And we live in a sinful world, and we have a sin nature. But increasingly more so, his emphasis in verses 2 through 12 is about spiritual maturity. Are you growing, and are you improving in these areas? Are you still the same as you were two years ago, three years ago, four years ago? Have you stood the test? Have you been tried and approved? And you come out with flying colors. My, my desire for you and my desire for me is we increasingly more so pass the test. As each trial comes, as each test comes our way. See, God does allow the trial. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. He, he obviously allows them, otherwise they wouldn't come. He'd prevent them all. He does permit the test. Whatever it may be, He has permitted it, allowed it, but He does not tempt you to sin. James tells us that's an inward issue. That's a heart issue. It's coming from inside you, not from God. We can choose to allow the test, the trial to test us, okay? Which is part of what God wants to do with the trial. His desire is that the trial become a test that will result in maturity. We saw that in verses 2 through 12. Okay? That's, that's one choice we can make. The trial can test our faith, verse 3. It can reveal what, what kind of state is our faith in. Is it weak faith? Strong faith? And it reveals the true condition of our faith. Just like you take a, a math test and it shows just how little or much you know about math, the test can be a revealer of what's within. How, how's my faith? Am I going to trust God? Or am I going to take matters into my own hands? Am I going to get angry? Or, second choice, same trial, I can choose to allow the trial to become a temptation. I can let it test me producing perseverance, then maturity, or I can let it become a temptation. This is not God's will. This is not his desire. He doesn't want it to become a temptation. And it's not his fault if it does. It's whose fault? My fault. It's your fault. A temptation leads to sin, he tells us. The end result of sin is always death. He's not talking about you're going to lose your salvation, but you do suffer 
separation from God. When you and I sin, we are separated from God. We don't enjoy His fellowship like we would if we were not in sin, if we had not sinned. So we can choose to let it become a test or it can become a temptation. Here's here's a way to picture the, the path, guys. If you choose to let it test you, James says, it produces perseverance. You grow stronger, just like when you work out. The more you work out, the stronger you get. You increase the weight. You increase your mileage. You get stronger and stronger. You learn to persevere. And that produces maturity. That's the path that God has for you and I in the midst of a trial. Or we can go the other route. We can let it become a temptation. Temptation leads to sin. Sin leads to death. So we have a choice. Every time we come to a trial, which path are you going to take? Hey, Lord, this is a test. I want to grow from this. I want to mature in this. I want to react in the right way. Or we can get angry. You know, if you you find out, and this has happened to guys in this room, if you find out your wife is leaving you, you got a couple of choices. You can either begin to pray for your wife and to begin to look in your own life and say, what is it that I have done that may have caused this to happen and what do I need to change? But you know what most of us do? We start pointing the fingers at the wife. And everything that's wrong with her, and we start praying, if she would just change, if she would just change, if she would just change. And then we're tempted to maybe, hey, if she's going to leave me, I'll just, I'll find somebody else. And we go off into sin, and we take the wrong path. You can take any trial, large, small, and you can go down that road. What's going to be the path that you take? I want to go through this real quickly, but this this helps me a whole lot to see these two sections of, of James together. One, verses 13 through 15, have to do with temptations. Verses 16 through 18 that you just talked about have to do with these this good gifts, the good gifts that God gives. What's God's nature and will when it comes to temptations? Well, number one, he can't be tempted by evil, we're told. That means he's holy. God can't be tempted by evil. Um, and that's going to lead to the fact that he, he's not going to tempt you either. What about good gifts? It says that he's the father of heavenly lights who does not change. He's holy and unchanging. So in both cases, God is holy. He's a holy God. He's not going to tempt you, and he can't be tempted. It says in verses 13 through 15, he doesn't tempt anyone to do evil. His will for you is what? Holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. This is God's will for you, your holiness. See, that's his will. His will is not to see you sin. His will is to see you grow in maturity. How about with good gifts? He gives good and perfect gifts, not evil ones. See, God God doesn't sit up there and say, well, yeah, okay, today's the day I make the door fall off the van. Today's the day he gets the letter from the IRS. This is going to be great. Just watch him react to this one. Uh, Today's the day he, you know, whatever. Today's the day he gets the bad news from the doctor. Today's the day his wife walks out on him. This Man, this is going to be so good. That is not God. Okay? He gives good and perfect gifts, not evil ones. So what are the dynamics of temptations? The origin of temptations, James says, are your own evil desires. It's your problem, buddy. Don't blame it on God. We have to take responsibility for our reactions. We can't blame factors outside of ourselves. It does no good 
to blame the guy who made my van years ago. It, it does no good if I blame my daughter. We, maybe you just slammed it too hard. You need to be more careful with the car. You need to, it doesn't do any good to blame anybody else for what's in here. It doesn't do any good. It's not the problem. We've got to own up. What's the origin of the good gifts? They're from God himself. We've got to acknowledge that good things only come from God. That's all he ever gives us are good things. He's the provider of all blessing. Even in the midst of trials, and you may have a really hard time seeing anything good in the midst of the trial you're going through, but the scriptures tell us that he is going to give you good things. What is one of the main good things he gives you and I is wisdom. Wisdom. To be able to endure and understand and grow through the trial. What's the action of temptations? It says they drag you away and they entice you. When we looked at lure of lust, we saw that these are pictures of a lure. It's, it's, a, it's a fishing lure. Man, it looks so good to a fish. You know, it's, it's colorful, it's bright, it looks like something it really wants to sink its teeth into. And then it does. And the end of it is death. It looks tempting... It looks pleasurable, but it doesn't deliver. That's what he says. We're in danger. When you start getting those feelings to react in a certain way, you're being lured and enticed and trapped to do something that will end in death and disappointment and unhappiness. But good gifts, they come down from above, it says, from the Father of lights. When you're in a trial, start looking up. When the door falls off your van, okay, God, I don't have a clue what you're doing. I don't know how I'm going to fix this. But you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to look up to you. Don't look to any other source. Good gifts come from nowhere else. See, what we do when we get in a trial, when things are going tough, what you and I do, and let's be honest, we start looking to other things to make us happy. We start looking to other people to make us happy. That's why people, when their marriage isn't going well, have affairs. That's why if you're going through financial difficulties, you are tempted to do things that compromise your integrity, like cheat, like fudge your expense report, not pay your taxes, whatever it may be, because it looks tempting. And you turn to other things to provide you what only God can provide you. You've got to remember that it comes from above. What's the effect of a temptation? Sin leading to death. It says lust conceives, it gives birth to sin, sin grows, and the end result is it always ends in death. Dead marriages, dead relationships, dead joy, people who just walk around. There are people walking around this church every Sunday who have no joy in their life. Why? Because they've taken the wrong path. They've not handled the trials of life the way God wants them to. What's the effect of those good gifts? It says new birth, regeneration, hope joy, life. He talks about the first fruits. We become alive and we, the first fruits are, are a symbol of the things to come. More is coming. Great things are on their way. We're changed and life around us changes when we respond in the right way. So you've got two choices. I have two choices. One, I can respond out of evil desires. I can let what's in me come out. And it happens a lot, more than I would like it to happen. We make the trial an occasion for temptation. Why? Because we have stuff within us. We have stuff within us that just comes out. That leads to sin. 
Or we can respond out of faith. We can respond out of faith, making the trial an opportunity for testing. And that's the goal that God has for this test, that it will result in perseverance, and then perseverance leads to spiritual maturity. See, if we could begin to see trials as not the negatives in our life, but opportunities for spiritual growth, it would change the way we live our lives. Is that going to happen overnight? No. But a lot of it has to be, how much do you trust your God? How much do you really trust that He loves you and has nothing but good things to give you, even through a trial? We can have several steps that we can take. We can deal with the evil desire inside you. You have got to deal with what's in you. And oftentimes what comes out of a trial is you get to see the ugly you. And we can get depressed, or we can say, you know what, Lord, thank you for showing me that part of me. Thank you for showing my anger. Thank you for showing my um, desire for sensual pleasures. Thank you for showing me that part of me so that you can deal with it. But you need to deal with it. You need to repent of it. Don't pass blame. Don't blame it on your wife. Don't blame it on your kids. Don't blame it on your boss. Don't blame it on your finances. Don't blame it on the mechanic who worked on your car. Don't blame it on anybody but you. Take ownership. And then confess that the desire comes from it within you. Just take it to him. Acknowledge it's there. When I am weak, then I am strong. I first got to admit the weakness. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? We've got wicked hearts. Let's just admit it. Let's, and let God reveal it. Let him shine his light on us. Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil and insanity is in their hearts throughout all their lives, Ecclesiastes says. Sounds kind of depressing, but you know, the truth is, it, it's true. And trials reveal it. But the, the more I grow, the more you grow, the less that becomes true. My heart becomes more and more like Christ's. But only trials will help reveal that. Mark 7, 21, From within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornication, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within to defile the men. This is exactly what James is talking about. This is what you and I are prone to do in the midst of a trial. And we can go any one of these directions. And God wants to show us the seediness so he can change it. And so he can revolutionize us and mature us. Well, another step we can take is to consider the trial pure joy. That's how he starts off, James 1, verse 2. Consider it joy, pure joy when you encounter various trials. Why? Because it will transform your life. So today when something happens, just say, okay, Lord, you're going to change me through this. You're going you're to change my life through this. Thank God for it. This is hard to do, guys. This is really hard to do. But I think we need to begin to practice it. Thank God for the trial. Recognize that he's a giver of good gifts. He's not out to make you fail. He's not out to make you sin. He wants to give you something incredibly beautiful. His wisdom, his endurance, in Christ's likeness. Consider it pure joy. Rejoice in what he's going to reveal to you through the trial. And sometimes you will not see it till you get to the other side. But he will reveal something. And if we were all honest and talked about this and shared, we have had that happen in our lives where we went through a difficult time and God used it to transform our lives. Why can't we go into the next trial thinking about that? And remembering that, you know, 
that was pretty bad. But he saw me through. Rejoice in it. And then thirdly, make efforts to change the circumstances of the trial. One of the things I don't want us to do is to think you just got to passively sit there. Yeah, yeah, my wife walked out on me. I don't know what to do. Get off your butt and do something. Do something. Change your life. Take action. Don't be passive. If your finances stink, do something about it. If you've got to get a third job, get a third job. Do something. This is not about passivity. Take appropriate actions. Do something. It doesn't, the trial doesn't mean you just have to roll over and play dead. But you can take actions and at the same time allow God to reveal himself in the midst of it. It's not your cross to bear. Well, I just got to put up with this. Yeah, I found out I got cancer. I'm not going to get chemo. It's just a waste of time. Were you an idiot? Take appropriate action, but learn through the trial. It doesn't mean just play dead, roll over, and just put up with it. So, for instance... I'll close with this. If your marriage is hurting, take the necessary steps to fix it. And it probably begins with you. If it means get counseling, get counseling. If it means get into the Word, get into the Word. And usually it does. It doesn't mean go fix your wife. Well, she's the one that's screwed up. Well, she probably is. But you'll never change her. Only God can do that. So you start with you. Fix what you can fix. If your health is suffering, do what you have to find relief. Go to the doctor. Get help. Eat right. Exercise. Do whatever you have to do. Get surgery. But do something. If your business is failing, work hard to save it. If it goes under, get another job. Pay off the debt. Do what you have to do. But learn through the trial. Oftentimes, you will learn a whole lot about you in the midst of it. And I've been there. But God's going to teach you. If your reputation has been damaged, take action to restore it. Why did it happen? It may be that you deserved it. But do something to set it right. If your car breaks down unexpectedly, do what you have to get get it fixed. Or walk. But don't just sit down and cry. Take action. If your child rebels, try to win them back. Pray for them. Analyze your life. What have I potentially done wrong as a parent? What could I do better? Take action. And finally, if a trial comes your way, learn all the lessons God has for you in it. Learn all the lessons. Do not waste the trial. And don't let it just become a place for temptation. But let it become a place of testing, producing perseverance, and spiritual maturity. Let me close this in prayer. Father, we thank you for the fact that you love us. We thank you for the trials you bring our way. We know they're coming. Uh, They're going to come unexpectedly. They could happen this afternoon. They could happen when we walk out of this room today. We could get a phone call. We could find a flat tire in our car. We could, it could be anything, Father. I just pray that you would help every one of us in this room, myself included, to respond to the test, to the trial in the right way. And see it as an opportunity to grow in Christ's likeness. And that, Father, you are obsessed with our holiness. And you want to make us more and more and more into the likeness of your Son. And may that happen through every trial that comes our way. I pray that we would also rally around each other. There are men in this room who are going through some really difficult times right now. And may we come alongside them and help them learn 
what they need to learn. And may we learn from them as they go through what they're going through. Father, we thank you that you love us. Help us to see trials as an opportunity to grow. And I pray your blessings on every man in this room. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Guys, you're dismissed and we'll see you next week.